Welcome to Family Bible Hour, a broadcast of the Sunday morning worship services of North Florida Baptist Church in Tallahassee, Florida. Well, uh, we are beginning a new series uh, this morning, and the series is uh, uh, one that, you know, I, I like to do, especially during the summertime, I like to do series that I can plug in and plug out of. On Wednesday night, we're doing um, a series on character. And last Wednesday, we were supposed to be looking at the character of trait of humility. And we weren't able to do that because we all got humbled by a major storm and all of the electricity was knocked out in this part of the city. So uh, we'll be picking that up on Wednesday uh, night. But uh, I was thinking the other day about something and and so I have, I have done a, a put together, beginning to put together a series uh, called Big Ideas. Hey, what's a big idea anyway? Well, uh, that's a, uh, <laughs> did that show behind me? Uh, when, okay. <laughs> Thank you, Ref, for asking that. Uh, <clears throat> the big idea today is God is the creator. And I'd like to ask you to take your Bibles and turn to Genesis chapter 1, and in a moment we'll begin with verses 1 and 2, and we'll see other verses. Let me ask you this. Are you a big picture uh, person? Are you a person who has uh, big ideas? History is made by people who have had big ideas. Uh, Inventions that we have come to rely on started out as someone's really big idea. We've seen the big idea of the cell phone become the bigger idea of the handheld personal computer. I can remember, and some of you can remember, when seeing a person talking on a telephone to someone that they could actually see was just a concept of the Jetsons. How many of you remember Mrs. Jetson talking to her mother uh, on the the video phone, I think is what they call it. Now we actually do that. We call it FaceTime. And we can FaceTime with people all over the world. Even when our electricity <clears throat> went down on Wednesday night, there was a, uh, the, the uh, World Cup was going on and Argentina was playing the Netherlands. And I've spent a lot of time in Argentina, so I have a lot of friends in Argentina. And I was texting back and forth with a friend of mine in, in Argentina trying to keep me updated on the score. And even though the electricity was off, they were still... Uh, sending me text and I, I discovered when Argentina won and uh, then I think I was out in the hallway talking to uh, Brother Cliff and, uh, and then I got a FaceTime uh, from my folks in Argentina and there I was standing in a place, uh, a building that didn't have any electricity in it and I was uh, looking at my cell phone and uh, my uh, smartphone and there was Andrea and her whole family in the living room at the Nuesh home, and they were all jumping up and down and screaming and included me as part of the celebration. Now somebody, somebody somewhere had a really big idea, and it probably went back to the Jetsons and before, that there would be a time when we would have a video phone, that there'd be a time when we could see people uh, on the uh, uh, talking to us. Well, for the next few Sundays, maybe seven, could be fewer than that. I want to share with you some big ideas from the Bible. And the first really big idea is from the beginning of ideas, and that is that God is the creator. 
Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering <clears throat> over the face of the waters. Uh, here's what we're going to look at uh, today. We're going to look at uh, in the beginning, and then we're going to see in the meantime, and then uh, in the end. So let's take a look in the beginning. Uh, I think many of us have been at the beginning of something. You've, you've been somewhere when something was first getting started. Even though our church now is more than 50 years old, uh, there are still charter members uh, in this church and uh, people who were here in the beginning of this church. Jan and I uh, were the first two people uh, with a, uh, a concept of a church that uh, started in Nashville, Tennessee, that today is still a thriving church. It's called the Metro Baptist Church. And <clears throat> I can remember when Jan and I were the first two people to even be discussing uh, that God might want a church planted uh, there. And <clears throat> we went and we started that church. Uh, some of you may have started companies, and, and you remember those first days of wondering, uh, where is this company going to go? How successful uh, is this company going to be? I see a, an entrepreneur back there who has a very successful company, and I can remember, <clears throat> and, and no doubt can remember uh, those days. Those of you who've been married <clears throat> for 20 and 30 and 40 and 50 years or more can remember the beginnings of your marriage. I can remember our wedding rehearsal. I can remember my wedding day. I can remember the nervousness of the wedding day. I can remember how beautiful Jan was as a, a bride on that wedding day. And, and I can remember certain things very clearly at the beginning of our marriage. Beginnings are an awesome thing. If you've ever been involved in the beginning of something, the first time you held your baby, the first time you held your grandbaby, uh, the beginnings of something is just an awesome thing. Now, we're going to talk today about the beginnings of this earth, and there are a lot of theories about the earth and how the earth came to be. There is the theory of evolution, and uh, that is one theory that is widely uh, accepted in our world as the way that our world began. There's the Big Bang Theory, and uh, we won't cover those theories. I'm just telling you about <clears throat> these theories. Uh, you, some of you will be surprised to know that the Big Bang Theory is not just a uh, sitcom on television. There's actually a theory of how the world uh, began called <clears throat> the Big Bang Theory, and there's probably others that we could uh, talk about. But here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that the earth had a <clears throat> beginning and that that beginning was God. In the beginning, God created <clears throat> the heavens and the earth. Now, that's what the Bible says, and that's the big idea of creation and how the earth, and I would say that's a huge idea. <clears throat> when the earth was in the conceptual stage, before anything else was, was formulated, there was God, and when God created this earth, everyone <clears throat> was there. Everyone was involved in the creation of the earth. Now, Pastor Ray, what do you mean? Well, I mean God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. 
all <clears throat> were involved in the creation of this earth, which the Trinity is probably a big idea that we need to uh, cover in this series. It's certainly a great idea. Verse 1 tells us that the Father was there. When you see a reference to God, it is normally considered as the Father, and that is certainly true in verse 1. But then verse 2 introduces us to something that I think we all should find very interesting. It says, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Now, what is that talking about? Well, it's talking about God, the Holy Spirit. So God the Father and God the Holy Spirit was there. Now, there's someone in the Bible that is given many different names, and one of the names that he's given is the Word or the living Word, and that's Jesus. Here's what John chapter 1 and verse 1 says about Jesus and creation. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. So there is the third member of the Godhead that was present. So all three members of the Godhead, the Trinity, were all present and participating in the creation in this earth. So in the beginning, everyone was there. Did the Holy Spirit create this earth? Absolutely. Did the Son of God create this earth? Absolutely. Did God the Father create this earth? Absolutely. How can that all happen? Because God is three in one. So everyone was there. Here's the second thing. Everything was made. Again, from the book of John, chapter 1 and verse 3, all things were made by him, that is the living word, and without him was not anything made that was made. All things were made. In Colossians 1 and 16, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. All of the creation, Revelation 4 and verse 11, worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created." Since the beginning of time, there have been many discoveries. People have discovered a lot of things about God's creation. They were discoveries. They were not creations. They were discoveries of creation. There have been many inventions. Inventions are is the genius that puts together certain parts of God's creation and comes up with products and comes up with other ideas. There were fashions and adaptations. But as for creation, everything that was made was made by Him. That is a vital understanding to a lot of things. We're going to see how it impacts our lives. At the end of this message, we're going to see that, that God's creation impacts the way that we think today and should impact the way that we think today. And let me say this to you. It may be that your thinking has been impacted in a different way, but today, seeing that God is the creator and and 
Most of you, I would think, already believe that God is the creator, yet you never put two and two together as to how creation impacts certain aspects of thinking and how <clears throat> it ought to impact certain aspects of, aspects of thinking. In the beginning, that is at the creation, everyone was there, everything was made, and here's the third, <clears throat> everything was good. Everything that was created was good. Genesis 1 is the account of the six days of creation. Chapter 2 begins an account of the seventh day, the day of rest. After the sixth and final day of creation, God looked at all that he had done and he made an observation about all that he had done. Genesis 1.31, and God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. When God finished the creation of the heavens and the earth, it was a garden. It was very, very good. As far as I know, all of the earth was like the Garden of Eden, as far as I know. It was the fall of Adam that brought the curse to the globe. If the earth is getting warmer, or if the earth is cooling down, if it's getting too warm, if it's getting too cool, don't blame the SUVs, blame the Adam. Adam was the one that did this to us. Adam was the one that created the chaos. The next time that, that you get bitten by mosquitoes or step in fire ants, thank Adam for that. He's the one that did it all. That's where all of this stuff came from. When God finished with the earth, it was good. It was very, very good. And let me say this, even in the face of all the plagues and problems on this earth, the earth is still a very, very good place, a beautiful uh, place. Most of us have been to a place that we thought to be heaven on earth, yet it still suffered from the plague of the the fall of of man. I was talking yesterday at breakfast with with someone who had gone to, uh, had uh, Crowley gone to Scotland, is that what he was talking about? Crowley had gone to Scotland and our friend um, uh, Pat Crowley had gone to Scotland and he had played golf there on several occasions. And, And he said to us, this is, this is this Chicago tough guy, and he said, it's the most beautiful place on earth. He said, I've never been to any place in the world that's more beautiful than Scotland. Now, I've never been to, have I been to Scotland? I guess I have been to Scotland. It is a beautiful uh, place. Uh, not as pretty as he thinks it is, but uh, <clears throat> I, there are other places that I think are just absolutely gorgeous. Alaska, if you've been to Alaska, there are places in Alaska that are just breathtakingly beautiful. It is just stunning in Alaska. And there are other places as well, places in Vermont. Uh, I, I visited uh, one time at the Argentine, <clears throat> or I guess it was the Brazilian border, uh, uh, Iquasu Falls. Iquasu Falls is the largest waterfall in the world. It's just stunning. And, and 
Hawaii and you could go on and on about, about beautiful places. But imagine this, as beautiful as all of these places are, imagine how beautiful it would be were it not cursed by the curse that Adam placed on this earth when he disobeyed God in the Garden of Eden. As, as beautiful as the coast of Florida may be or the Smoky Mountains of, of Tennessee or the world's greatest waterfall or the beauty of the islands, when God finished with creation, it was far more perfect than any of these are today. Think about that. <clears throat> so in the beginning, in the beginning, everyone was there, everything was made, and everything was good. It was very, very good. Next time you enjoy something really good, think about this. How perfect might it have been had Adam just said, Eve, I am not going to eat from that tree. Everything was good in the beginning. In the meantime, in the meantime, there's some things that are going on on this earth. We live on this earth, but the earth does not belong to us. Psalm 24 and verse 1 and 2 says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. We're only keepers of the earth. We're only keepers of God's creation. I I can't remember if I've used this illustration yet or not um, because I, I get several sermons ahead in my studying, but, but I, I read a, uh, an illustration the other day where a guy was <clears throat> talking about how significant we are on this earth, and he said, don't forget that as soon as they bury you and leave the cemetery, your family and closest friends are going to be eating potato salad and telling jokes. We don't own this earth. We're just here in the temporary. We're just here. uh, We're keepers of creation. We're just here for, for a while. And it's been that way from the beginning. Genesis 1 and verse 26. Then God said, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let him have dominion over the fish of the sea. By the way, stop and look at that. Dominion. Dominion over the fish of the sea. And over the birds of the heavens. And over the livestock. And over all the earth. And over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. What? Dominion. Dominion over all of that. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God, he created him, male and and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over every living thing that moves on earth. Now, what does that say? A couple of things. First of all, Every believer, now lock the doors, every believer is required to be something of an environmentalist. Every believer is. That may not be the right word, but we're required to be something of an environmentalist. I'm not talking about 
uh, it as a movement, <clears throat> but as our responsibility as given to, <clears throat> to Adam and to Eve. There are some distinct responsibilities that the Creator, this is a big idea, <clears throat> there are some distinct responsibilities that the Creator gave to the created regarding how to deal with the rest of creation. The first thing that he said to us is that we're supposed to rule. We're supposed to have dominion over and to subdue the earth. Now, this is where we might break with Mother Earth people. I don't ever say Mother Earth. I try not to ever say Mother Earth or Mother Nature. I try not to say that because... Nature's not my father. God is my father. Estelle was my mother. Uh, <clears throat> but, but the earth is not my mother. The earth is my dominion as given by God. My dominion is an acre uh, over on the east side of town off Miccosukee Road. <clears throat> that's my dominion. That's, that's where um, we plant the bushes and, and, well, let me back up. That's where Heinz Nurseries plants the bushes and <clears throat> Heinz Nurseries keeps the lawn and Heinz Nurseries and so forth. But that's not yours, Tom. That's, that's, I've got dominion over that uh, land. We're placed on earth <clears throat> to rule it, not to be ruled by it. We are to have dominion over the fish of the sea. We're to have dominion over the, the fowls of the air. We're to have dominion <clears throat> over the animals on the planet. Now, this doesn't give us a license to pillage God's creation, but it does give us a perspective on the mind of the Creator. God did create us to be in a position to have dominion. That's why we can decide, excuse me, that's why we can decide when we see a rattlesnake in our landscape to shoot that sucker. Because God gave us dominion. We can also decide, as my next door neighbor has, a, I think it's called an indigo snake, a black indigo snake, I think that's what it's called, that actually kills uh, venomous snakes. It kills them and eats them. And my next door neighbor has an indigo snake in her yard. And it hides out. And, and nobody wants to touch the indigo snake. <clears throat> For a couple of reasons. One is <clears throat> they're protected. And if a snake is bad enough to kill a rattlesnake and eat it, I don't want to mess with it. <clears throat> but we have dominion. We have the rule over those things. Not only are we to rule, but we're to reproduce. God's all about abundance. He's given us life. He said, I'm giving you life and give it more abundantly to the generous. He has promised blessings so abundant that they cannot receive it. Give and it shall be given unto you. Pressed down, shaken together, running over shall men give into your bosom. And he has told us that the earth is to be abundantly reproduced. Jan and I were in Jacksonville the other day having breakfast at Bob Evans with our 
favorite girl, Emerson. <clears throat> Emerson was there with her mother, and uh, we were at Bob Evans having breakfast, and this <clears throat> lady came up, and she was talking about how beautiful Emerson was. She was the, the, the server, and she was talking about how beautiful Emerson was. One of the, one of the most brilliant uh, servers that I've ever been to, uh, been around. She was just uh, going on and on about how beautiful this child was. And so clearly the woman knew her stuff. Uh, <clears throat> little did we know that she was a Genesis believer because as she was talking about Emerson, she said, I have 12 children. And, you know, <clears throat> I'm thinking, okay, she adopted a country. Uh, <clears throat> And I said, really, 12 children? She said, yes, I had each one. And she said, had each one. I went, hmm, this woman really does believe in multiplying and replenishing the earth. <clears throat> she is obeying God. 12 children is abundance. That's a lot of children. <clears throat> the way God made nature is that things start small with the promise of growing larger. That's the way that nature works. Seeds become seedlings, which become saplings, which become trees. <clears throat> People start out as an embryo, then become a fetus, and then become a baby, and become a toddler, and then a child, and then an adolescent, and an adult. <clears throat> That's the design of God. From the very beginning, the design is for God's creation to become bigger and better until it reaches maturity so that it can then give way to another life that becomes bigger and better and reaches maturity and on and on it goes. During the adult phase, there is reproduction, the remaking and expansion of life and growth. Now look, if you understand that God is the creator, then you get the big idea of how miraculous a birth is. <clears throat> then you get the big idea of, of Bill Gaither's song that said, how sweet to hold a newborn baby and know the joy that it gives. That's when we <clears throat> understand and appreciate that the big idea that God is the creator. This is all the plan of God who had the big idea <clears throat> of creation. And in the meantime, uh, that is, since creation, mankind is to rule, mankind is to reproduce, and mankind is to replenish. Now, this is where we take responsibility to leave things better, in better shape than we found them. If you're a hunter or a fisherman, if you're a conscientious hunter or fisherman, you believe that you have a God-given responsibility to care for the creatures not being hunted today but might be hunted next year. You're careful about those things. <clears throat> you're careful about hunting uh, hunting a mother of, of, of small, uh, a, a mom turkey that has <clears throat> small turkeys that won't survive until mom finishes with them or whatever the case may be. You're, you're conscientious about that. You understand that <clears throat> you have a responsibility to, to replenish and to care for the creatures not being hunted. I believe that this is the spirit that God gave to Adam and Eve. And <clears throat> in that light, I believe that we're all to be conservationists. I don't believe that we ought to just kill just for killing's sake. 
I believe that we <clears throat> should conserve in that regard. In the beginning, the Creator God made all things, and in the meantime, has given us the responsibility to rule, to reproduce, and to replenish. Now, how does this big idea of creation affect the way that we worship, the way that we think, and the way that we live? Well, that's the last point in the end. That is, at the end of the day. At the end of the day, how does creation, the big idea of creation, affect you and me? If you walk out of here today and say, well, today Pastor Ray preached on creation. Didn't make much sense to me, but he preached on creation. Don't know why, but it was creation. I don't see how that applies to my life today. That's already done. Well, no, it has a lot of application to your life today. Job had a good understanding about creation, about life and the things of life. Here's what Job said in Job 1.21. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job got the big idea. Job clearly got it. He wasn't God, and all that he had ever had was a gift from God. So if God wanted to take it back, then God could do so. Because God is God. God. He is the creator God. This is why our belief in a creator, God matters. It influences how we think about life and how we think about the stuff of life. How is life influenced by a believer or a belief in a creator God? Let me give you a couple of ways. First of all, it gives us an appreciation of life. If you believe in a creator God, you can have an appreciation of life. Now, if you're an atheist, then really there's no reason beyond natural attachment to appreciate or value life. There's no reason to. You may have gotten attached to someone. You may have gotten attached to something, and so you value life because of your attachment, but not because that that life was created by a creator God. So really, your value of someone else's life is no deeper than your attachment to that person. And and it's, it's a very simple thing. As Ebenezer Scrooge said, they are surplus population. Maybe they should be taken to the poor house where we can deal with a surplus population. However, when we understand that God is the creator and the giver of life, we think differently about it. We appreciate the gift of life in two unappreciated creations. First of all, the unborn. Abortion has been such a part of modern life that even Christian people oftentimes have a hard time seeing the flaws in it. Uh, <clears throat> did you know that Roe versus Wade, the landmark decision that opened the, the, what would be the floodgates to abortion, do you know that was decided over 41 years ago? That's a long time. <clears throat> 41 years ago, I was 23. 41 years ago. 41 years ago, Jan and I had been married for a year. And in September, we will have been married for... 42 years. 
<clears throat> that's how long Roe versus Wade has been around. That's how long abortion has been legal. It has been legal for so long that good people, and, and no doubt some of you, and, and I, I say this in love, but I, I know how it comes about. <clears throat> good people, maybe some of you, have heard and agree with the argument that a woman has the right to do what's best for her own body, what's best for her. We've heard that so long that we've begun to give credence to it. And, and the problem is <clears throat> that that line has, has overcome the big idea that God is the creator. <clears throat> Here's what I'm trying to share with you. Regardless of Supreme Court rulings, if we believe in a creator God, we must have an appreciation for life that is above the law of the land. Does that, does that make sense to you? Do you understand? Whether you agree with it <clears throat> or not, do you understand what I'm trying to say? If we are, remember last Sunday, wait a minute, a few of you remember from last Sunday, <clears throat> The title of my message was Christian American, that I am a Christian American. And if you missed it, go online and you, <clears throat> you can get it online. If we are Christian Americans, then we must consider the word and the will of God before deciding on policy or position. Here is <clears throat> what the word says. This is from our creator God. Get this, please. Psalm 139, 14, here's what the psalmist said. <clears throat> I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, my soul knows it very well. Here's what Jeremiah said in verse 5 of Je Jeremiah 1. Before I formed you, God is saying to Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations before you were born. Now, who can say that? A creator God can say that. Isaiah 49 and 1, the Lord called me from the womb, from the body of my mother. He named my name. Who can say that? <clears throat> the creator God. Here's what Paul said about his own life in Galatians 1 14. But he who had set me apart before I was born and who <clears throat> called me by his grace. Paul said, my life was meant to be before I was even born. You've heard me preach that we are born with a purpose and born again to find our purpose. Paul just said that. <clears throat> I was born with a purpose and then I was called by his grace. I was born again and found my purpose. And to John the Baptist, this is said in Luke 1, 15, of John the Baptist, this is said, for he will be great uh, before the Lord, for he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. Now, none of this matters if we do not believe that God is the creator. <clears throat> but if we do, then all of this matters. I have said this, <clears throat> probably you have too. In fact, I said it as recently as when Emerson was born. Within an hour and a half or so of her birth, 
Now, I'm going to tell you something that's kind of personal, but <clears throat> it, it's just the way that, that Paul and Lindsay made the decision for the birth of their child. We didn't see that baby until about an hour and a half or two hours after the baby was born <clears throat> because they, they took that child and they laid her on her mother's breast for an hour so that that little child laid bare on her mother's uh, breast for an hour. And I will tell you that, that Lindsay would not take anything for that experience, that, that bond that was formed during that hour. Shortly thereafter, the little Emerson was pretty much cleaned up. I say pretty much because she still had a ways to go. <clears throat> but she was pretty much cleaned up. And they asked us to come into the room. And we went into the room. And before Emerson was three hours old, I was holding her in my arms. And I looked over at Lindsay. <clears throat> and I had never loved Lindsay any more than I loved her at that point. And I said, Lindsay, this morning, you had not even seen her. This morning, you didn't even know that you'd be holding her this afternoon. How wonderful is this? And I didn't say this at the time because I wouldn't bring even the word into the room <clears throat> during that, that precious time. But I thought to myself, how can anyone hold a child like this so soon after the child is born or at any point and believe that it's okay to take the life of the child just before it's born or at any time before it's born. And we all understand that and probably everybody has had a moment like that. But could I tell you something? If you never hold a child, your belief in the Creator God has to affect how you feel about the unborn. God created little Emerson. She was born to Paul and Lindsay, but God created her. If God created is the creator, then every single child that is born is born a blessing from God. In the end, we must have an appreciation of life for the unborn. But could I tell you this? We should also have an appreciation for the unlovely. Not only will we appreciate life when life is new, but we'll appreciate life when it's not so gifted, not so beautiful, not so young, maybe not so intelligent. The idea that one person can value or devalue the life of another is failure to believe in God as, as creator. I saw a little video that somebody had put on Facebook about Tim's place and it was a restaurant somewhere that have you, any of you seen that uh, Tim's place <clears throat> I saw Tim's place it was a restaurant somewhere that that a young man with Down syndrome had opened it was his restaurant and it said that he served breakfast lunch and hugs 
And Tim was the entrepreneur. He was the owner of that place. His daddy helped him get it started. And it was a thriving business. And Tim would open the door and he'd say, welcome to Tim's place. And he would say, let me hug you. And he would hug the people as, Von Seal, you would enjoy Tim's place. <clears throat> the chief, he just hugged everyone. Yet to many people, someone who is not, who has any kind of, a, of a, an impairment, whether it be a physical impairment or a, um, an emotional or a mental impairment or whatever it may be, anyone is somehow not quite as lovely. Well, in the end, when we believe that God is the creator, we appreciate the life of the unborn and the life of the unlovely. All of us are moving along in life and we'll come to the, to the end of our lives and just before the end of life, I've seen a lot of death. Life's not quite as lovely, but there's still a love. And, and by the way, <clears throat> If, if you believe in a creator God, then you can let go when the life ends because you'll understand that the life God created has moved on. Finally, we believe in the accountability of life in the end. We're accountable for how we live and, and what we do with the gifts and callings. You may recall that Moses made excuse after excuse to avoid leading the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage. One excuse he made was that he didn't speak well. He said, I, I don't speak very well. Some people have said that he had a speech impediment, perhaps a, a lisp or a stammer or, or whatever. Here's the way that exchange went from Exodus 4 and verse 10. But Moses said to the Lord, O oh my Lord, I am not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. Then the Lord said, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? God knew that Moses had had a speech impediment. God knows who has a hearing impairment. God knows that. He made a decision on it. He knows that. You and I are accountable to the body, for the body, the mind, the abilities that God gave to us. We're not accountable for somebody else. We're accountable for what God has given to us. And they are to be used to navigate life, but they're also to be used to live for his glory. And at the end of the day, in the end, because we serve our creator God, we must appreciate life and be accountable for it. One philosopher said this, and I'm finished. All I have seen teaches me to trust the creator for all I have not seen. That's a big idea. God is the creator. You've been listening to the Family Bible Hour, a broadcast ministry of North Florida Baptist Church in Tallahassee, Florida. You can visit us at North Florida Baptist Church, 3000 North Meridian Road, Tallahassee, Florida, 32312. Visit us online 
at nflchurch.com. Dr. Ray invites you to join him next week for the Family Bible Hour.